Well, good morning, everyone. Trust you're doing well this morning. A good uh, start to classes. And we appreciate the fact that you're here this year. We're trusting God for a, a wonderful year together. Well, it was very easy. In fact, it uh, seemed almost too easy. I had the wonderful privilege of being brought up in uh, a godly home. My dad was a pastor for over 30 years in the state of Maine. And it just seemed as though that the way I was brought up and the way things were going in the home and how I was being schooled and, and all of that, that it was just too easy. What I'm talking about is finding the will of the Lord. Uh, it just seemed that I was destined to come to NBBI. The uh, school that Dad had graduated from had gone liberal. He would have nothing to do with it anymore, and he kind of adopted NBBI, and therefore I adopted NBBI. Came here uh, after having been involved in ministry, even as a person in high school, and wanting to do the Lord's will, and wanting to win a ministry, and wanting to pastor, and so forth, which is what we did for for many, many years. But you know, it's, it's really not that easy. In fact, it has very little to do. I happen to have been called to the state of Maine to pastor for those first years. It has really very little to do with location. And I trust that you're here this morning and here this year to determine what God has for you. My sincerest hope is that you are willing to do anything and whatever it is that God asks you to do. In fact, I agree with Mr. Little, who uh, Monday said this. He said, we're here to teach and prepare young people for ministry. And my secret desire, and I can do that, I guess, my secret desire is that every single graduate of MBBI goes into full-time Christian service. Now that's just the way I feel. Nothing you can do about it, except go into full-time Christian service. But uh, that's, that's just, you see, because the need is there. The need is there. there. There's no unemployment in the Lord's work if you really want to do it. And so I trust that you're here this morning with a desire to do what God wants you to do. But it has, as I said, very, very little to do with location. I have students come to my office and have had over the years say, where do you think I should, I mean, I, I can't, it's a toss-up between Africa and South America. It has very little to do with location, folks. And so I'm going to do something this morning with you that one of our teachers, Mr. Hogan and I were in the same class at MBBI, that one of our teachers said to be sure and do and he said, don't neglect familiar passages. Mr. Breeden, right? Don't neglect familiar passages. Therefore, would you turn with me, please, to Romans and chapter 12. Romans and chapter 12. If you follow with me, I'll read the first three verses, just the first three verses of Romans chapter 12. And I want you to keep in mind what I said, that... The will of God has very little to do with location, physical location. Romans 12, 1 to 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, what he says in these first two verses evidently has very much to do with the will of God. And then look what he says, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Paul here has just finished speaking particularly with his fellow Jews who are in this Roman church. Evidently there was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. And in chapters 9, 10, and 11, as you know, he speaks about his love for his people and he speaks to them particularly. Now I believe as chapter 12 begins, he again gathers them as a group, as it were, and speaks to Jew and Gentile alike because this is something that is very sensitive and the subject is very important to all of those who had placed their faith in Christ, no matter who they were. And I believe with all of my heart that this is a key passage for you and I in these days and for you particularly in these days when you are considering what God would have you to do. Notice And we're going to take a look at some of the key words in these three verses as we have time. Uh, Notice what he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That little word beseech is kind of an interesting word because you could almost replace it there by the word beg. It means to call near. It means to invite. In fact, when the Lord Jesus said, I'm going to leave, uh, I'm going to leave with you another comforter, The base word for beseech is the same as that word comforter, paraclete, which means the Holy Spirit. Now, is Paul placing himself in the place of the Holy Spirit? Uh, No, I don't think he's trying to do that. But what he is saying is, here is something important that I want you to know. And as a friend and as a brother and as a father to some of them, He said, I'm coming very near and very close to you, alongside you, if you will, and have something very important to tell you and to beg of you as you consider your Christian life. I beg of you, brethren, I come alongside you. I know what God's best is for you, he says. And now here it is, and here's what he's given to me. Notice, he says, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... And we all know that when we see that word, we need to go backwards a little bit. In fact, if you go back with me to chapter 11 and verses 30 to 36, you will see the reasons why he is begging them to do this particular thing. He's going to give us two or three things he wants us to do. But he's referring back to chapter 11 and some of the things he said at the end of that chapter to use to point ahead to what he wants to say next. He says, I beg of you, therefore. What does he say in chapter 11 that is so important? Well, take a look at verse 30. He says, for as ye in sometimes past have not believed God, yet now obtain mercy through their unbelief. He's going to point them to the mercy of God. And he's going to say, I've got some things that I want you to know about the will of God and determining the will of God in your life. And they begin, and I'm going to begin by reminding you of the mercies of God. 
and the fact that you were once without Christ. You once were bound for hell and in eternity separated from the Lord Jesus and now by his mercy and now by his grace, things are different. You're saved. You're changed. And because of that, you have an awesome responsibility. And he's going to get on with that a little later. He said, you have obtained mercy. Look in verse 32 of chapter 11. For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. He loves every one of them. Verses 33 through 36, we won't take much time, but notice what he says in 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He said, before I challenge you with what I want you to do in relation to the word of God, I want to remind you of God's mercy. I want you to remind you of God's love. And I want to remind you that everything that you have comes from him and he must be glorified with it all. That's what I want you to know. That's what therefore means. I beg of you, my dear friends, he says, my dear brothers, as a father, consider and reconsider all that God has done for you, and now I want to tell you what he expects you to do. Because of all of his great mercies, here's the response that you need. Isn't that the same for us? When we recall, I just recall for you just briefly in just a few minutes a little bit about my past and my upbringing. But you know what? Even though I had a godly mom and dad and, and uh, lived in a very, very nice environment and was taken to church 168 times a, a, a week um, and all of those good things that happened to me, Yet, you know what, I had to come to the point in the place in my life where I realized that I was a dirty, rotten sinner, that I was bound for hell and eternity without Christ and had to receive him as my Savior on a personal basis, and you know that. And after I understood that and received Christ, I began to understand a little bit about all of his great mercies on my behalf and his grace. A wonderful theme this year, the grace of God. And all of his grace to me. And after realizing that, then beginning to realize, as we all need to, our responsibility to respond to his mercy and to his grace. And so he gets on with it. And notice what he says in verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's interesting what Kenneth Wiest, and uh, put in a plug here, if you can get any of Kenneth Wiest's book, most of them are out of print, but if you can get any of them, buy them all. Get every one that you possibly can. They're a tremendous help. Kenneth Wiest says this about the word present. <clears throat> he said it means this. It means once for all, and it means to place your bodies at the disposal of God. And I thought that was something else. To place your body, see, he says, present your body as a living sacrifice. He said it means to place your bodies at the disposal of God. In other words, you know what that means? It means to place our lives, he's talking about life here because he's talking about living sacrifice, right? We'll see that in a minute. To place our lives 
at the feet of Jesus. To place our lives in the hands of God. And to literally say and mean with all of our hearts, here's my life. Now this is pretty reckless. (laughs) But here's my life. Do with it whatever you want. That's pretty scary. I mean that. That really is. To be willing to say with everything that is within us, from the depths of our hearts, Lord, here I am and here's my life, and you know all of my ambitions, you know all of the things I want to do, what I want to become, what I want to accomplish, you know all of those things that I've been brought up with and that I know in my life that I want to see in my life eventually, I'm taking all of those things, every last one of them, and I am simply placing them at your feet because I want to be disposed how you want to dispose me, not how I want to, at the feet of the Lord Jesus. There's a phrase, and maybe you're sick of hearing it like I am, but there's a phrase that, that characterizes our world today and a lot of people are using. And I detest that phrase with everything that's in me, and I hope you do too. It's a little phrase that goes this way. It's all about me. I dearly hate that phrase. I don't hate much of anything. Just broccoli and this phrase. (laughs) But... What an amazingly awful, worldly, ungodly, horrible way to live. It's all about me. And I was thinking about that the other night. I was relaxing a little bit, watching some TV, and I was thinking about that phrase and thinking about some of the ads on TV. You know, that's what's all about me. Some of those crazy ads, you know, how to grow more hair and all that stuff. And, and, uh, here, here's something astounding that happened. This is, this is really weird. But I was sitting there and thinking about this phrase, and an ad came on TV, and I don't know if it was for cereal or whatever, but the little kid at the end said, it's all about me. I thought, oh my goodness. Is it really all about me? Is it really what I want? Is my life going to be just something that... I have planned and, (coughs) excuse me, I have written down and I have put in my diary and in the future this is what I want to be and do. Is that really what it's all about? My goodness. What an awful attitude. It's all about me. It isn't all about me. My dear young friends, I'll tell you what. What you and I have got to do, and I, I got to do this too, even though I'm not quite as young as you are. What we've got to do as Christians is understand that not only is it not about us, but it's all about God. And what we have got to be sure and do in, in discovering the will of God or just in our everyday life or or doing what we know we're supposed to be doing and getting close to God. We always have to place our lives at the feet of Jesus and in the hands of God. 
That's how it has to be done. And that's really what Paul means when he says, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, on the basis of all the mercy and grace that you have discovered and own in Christ, on that basis, place yourselves at the disposal of God. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? First of all, there's several words here to describe what that looks like. First of all is the word living. You see, the, the, the Jews in that Roman church may, when he, when he said the word sacrifice, they may have been thinking, Ooh, wait a minute, in our past there's been a lot of sacrifice. If you want to go back to the Old Testament, you can see it. There's been a lot of sacrifices. Uh, that's when an animal's throat is slit, the blood is drained, placed on an altar and burned or whatever. Uh, sacrifice. But notice here what Paul says. He says, a living sacrifice. You see, it had nothing to do with what they were thinking about those old sacrifices on the altar. It had everything to do with a life. And as I look at you, I see young people who have a lot of years to live. A lot of years of life. And God expects a life sacrifice placed at his disposal. And then he says in verse 1, a life that is holy, a, a, a sacred life, a blameless life, a consecrated life, a dedicated life. He deserves and wants and must have everything that is within us in its purest sense. A blameless life. Sacrificed. A life sacrificed to him. And then he says, this sacrifice is, is acceptable unto God. I thought that was interesting. It, 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 it simply means, for, uh, for lack of a better term, it, it simply means... He wants a life that is presented to him as a living, sacrifice, blameless, consecrated, and acceptable means pleasing, agreeable, or pleasing to him. That's the kind of life he wants. This kind of action in presenting one's life to be at the disposal of God and at the feet of Jesus, this kind of action is fully pleasing and agreeable to him. And notice it's only reasonable. Stop and think with me for a moment. As a Christian now, as a Christian now, and sitting here studying the Word of God, is there anything, don't answer me, just answer in your heart, is there anything unreasonable or illogical or irrational found in Romans 12, 1 to 3? You can read it in all of your spare time that you have with nothing to do. You can read it and read it again. And just write down anything in those three verses that as a Christian dedicated to learning and studying the Word of God and as Mr. Hogue said, growing... Write down anything in those three verses that is illogical, irrational, 
or unreasonable. I challenge you, and I dare say there will not be one response. Because if we truly love God, as we heard this past weekend, and if we truly want what he wants, which is I trust is the case for all of us, then it is just so very reasonable. You see, the world, the world looks at us and probably looks at you and has looked at me for the last 80 or 90 years and said, I thought I might as well say it as you, uh, uh, I said, what a bunch of fools. This guy, Hogue, has spent over 40 years teaching in the classroom. What in the world? What a waste. And this young guy, Little, taking over the presidency, and what kind of an outfit is that anyway? They're all a bunch of monks or priests or nuns or something there. What are they doing there? What's, what's that foolishness all about? <laughs> You'd be surprised, by the way, at some of the rumors that have gone around uh, the neighborhood in Victoria Corner over the last 68 years as to who we are and what we're doing. But the world thinks it's so crazy and so foolish. And yet to me, and I think to you, as you look at it and read it and think about it, what we're saying this morning, not what I'm saying, but what Paul is saying here in Romans is, it's just so rational. It's just so reasonable. It's what we should be doing. Presenting our lives and placing ourselves at the disposal of the Lord Jesus. I thought about, when I was thinking about this, I thought about uh, the verse in John chapter 12, first part of John chapter 12, which speaks about Lazarus' sister Mary washing the feet of Jesus and then wiping his feet with her hair. And I was thinking about something very physical. Actually, it's a wonderful spiritual truth, of course. That's why we're talking about it. But I thought of something very physical. And I thought, I don't know how long her hair was. <laughs> but she had to get right down there at Jesus' feet if she was going to wipe it with her hair. Now, I'd have to get real close <laughs> if it was me, right? <laughs> well, you know, like that close. And not much towel up there anymore. But, uh, but no matter how long her hair was, I mean, she was going to have to be getting pretty close to the feet of the Lord Jesus. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful spiritual truth. And how we need to be at his feet, giving, presenting, dedicating a life to the Lord Jesus. That's the will of God. It's not, hmm, a lot of needs in South America these days. Uh, but boy, oh boy, the humanitarian effort in Africa is really, I mean, I really, uh, no. Location is out like that. The will of God really is what this is all about. It's a spiritual thing. It's a presenting of ourselves to him. Let me just quickly, and the bell's going to ring here in a second, let me just quickly say this. Uh, what's the next thing in verse 2? Be not conformed <clears throat> to this world. Wow. There we go. 
That's a wild one. <laughs> Be not conformed to this world. Oh my goodness, we are brought up. I'm not laying any blame on your parents, but I'm saying we are brought up in this world conforming to everything the world has to offer. To be conformed here means to place in a mold, to mold and to shape and to make just like. And isn't that a perfect description of our world? On the one hand, they talk about being an individual. On the other hand, everybody is just stamped right into the same old sinful mold. And he says, don't be molded and shaped like the world. Don't do that. In fact, there's an alternative. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says, we should be conformed to the image of his son. That's what we need to be conformed to. You want to be molded? You want to be shaped? It should be to be just like the Lord Jesus, not just like the world. And I'll tell you, you need to watch out for it. I'll be down here in just a minute. You need to watch out for it. The world is very subtle, and the devil is very subtle, and will do almost anything. No, we'll do anything. Not almost. We'll do anything to mold us and to shape us. What we need to do is be in God's hand to be molded and shaped like his son. That's what we're supposed to do. And then this thing called the will of God, this is what I call a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. The spiritual thing will come about. It will happen. And as we present ourselves and as we not be conformed to the world, he will shape us and make us and help us to know exactly what he wants us to do. And in that mix somewhere is physical location, okay? But it's a spiritual thing first. Would you be willing, would I be willing, to daily present myself and say, Lord, I'm at your disposal today and for the rest of my life. That's what it's all about. Father, thank you for your word. Not necessarily anything I've said about it, but for your word, for all that you have for us to know, the great Apostle Paul and how you ministered and worked through him in these folks' hearts and how you work in our hearts these days as we read and study your word. We're thankful for all these young people that have come our way. Trust that you administer all of us, staff and student alike, that we might be certainly, readily, honestly, a life that is at your disposal. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.